past Friday. Amen? And and I told her, I said, I am so excited to get to grow old with you. I said, because I'm not old right now, neither are you. So it is an absolute joy. And whoever went and got the water, thank you very much. We are so, so blessed. Amen? We live in an incredible nation we call the United States of America. We are the best nation in the world. Everybody wants to get here, amen? And we have the freedoms that nobody else has. And we get to sit, you are sitting there today with the most precious thing you have. I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you, by the way. But the Bible, the Word of God, that's the most precious thing we have. You see, heaven and earth will pass away, but that Word of God will always remain. And we know that that is the most precious thing we have. You know, an amazing thing is, is that as we look at what God has for us today, one of the things that we, we get to see is God taking care of us when we don't even know we need taken care of. You know, there are so many times, when you, when you turn around and look at your life, how many times have you saw that God took care of you when you didn't know he needed to? You didn't even know you needed taken care of. You've been in a valley, and you're tore up, and you're thinking, all hope is gone. And God said, I'm right here. I'm walking. I picked you up, and I'm walking you out. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. Now, I'm going to apologize real quick. Um, I, I love podiums, and, but, and I'm apologizing to the guys that are running the camera because I am a walker. And I walk and I talk and I apologize up front because I, I just, if I, I, I feel like that I just turn into, um, I don't know, it's just like cardboard sitting up here behind the pulpit. And this is a nice big one. And I could hide behind this really well. But uh, I'm encouraging you this morning. We're going to take our Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 10. And have you ever had this question in your mind? Uh, you know, you may have been, uh, since you've gotten saved, you may have never doubted your salvation in a moment. You may have never had that, that fleeting doubt that, hey, am I truly saved? I mean, I mean, getting saved and then all of a sudden you do that thing which you don't want to do. I, I'm with the Apostle Paul. I, I do that which I don't want to do. And I, and I don't do those things I know I need to do. I don't know if you've ever been in that point, but at the, some, at the same time, I've been there and I've been that struggle where, Lord, am I really saved? I mean, do I, am I really yours? I, I, sometimes I don't act like I'm yours. Sometimes I don't behave like I'm yours. Sometimes I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. And, and the enemy comes alongside you and says, you ain't his. Because, and he reminds you of your failures. He reminds you of your sin. The old enemy is a liar, by the way. And the old devil doesn't do anything but to steal, destroy, and, and to kill you. He wants to kill your joy, your happiness, and peace. God says, I came to give you, Jesus said, I came to give them life and a life more abundantly. So in John chapter 10, um, and I know I have verses 27 up here, but I actually want to back up to verse 22 because that's where the conversation actually takes off. 
Because even in the day of Jesus, there's people going, are you really the Christ? Are you really who you say you are? Now look, somebody that makes the lame to walk, the blind to see, uh, raises up the dead. Look, there's not much question in my mind, my heart that goes, I've been there whenever he raised Darius' daughter from the dead. Come on, that has to be the Christ. The, the, the guy by the pool at Bethesda, he picked him up. Take thy bed up. I mean, the guy through the ceiling, he says, take up thy bed and walk. You would say, hey, there is 100% proof that he's Jesus Christ. He's fulfilling all the prophecies. But there's still people. And we still have questions, don't we? I know I do. Man. Somebody asked me, said, just the other day, I was, I was at, at a school and I was talking to some teachers and they go, man, you know all the Bible, don't you? No. What? You don't know all the Bible? And I said, I've been in the ministry over 30 years and I, there's days that I, I don't think I know what I do need to know. Because it's, it's full and it grows, it's living and it, it's amazing to me God's word. But turn with me. And let's do this. Would you mind? We're going to read God's word. Would you stand with me? We're going to read God's word. We're going to read starting in verse 22. And we'll read down to verse 30. And then we'll have a word of prayer. And, and we'll let the Holy Spirit have his way in our life. How about that? Verse 22 says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of dedication. And it was winter. And Jesus walked in, in the temple in Solomon's porch, then came Jews around about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not. Because ye are not my, of my sheep, as I had said unto you. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's pray together. Father, we come and we ask you today that you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to every heart. Father, we ask you to remove the doubt. If somebody is sitting here and they've never trusted you as their personal Savior, that today would be that day. They would lean onto you and and. Father, they would trust you with the most precious thing they have, and that's your soul. Father, we ask you today, today that you would guide our hearts and our thoughts and our minds, that we would look unto you, the author and the finisher of our salvation. And Father, we ask you that if there's those here that know you, they know you as their Savior, but Father, we are all like sheep have gone astray. Father, will you draw us back? 
Will you draw us back into that relationship that's sweet, that brings joy and happiness and peace, that brings contentment when we're troubled. And Father, we want to lean on you. And Father, we want you to tell us what our greatest need is today. So Father, have your way. May the Holy Spirit speak to every heart and every life. And Father, we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Glad that you're here this morning. We are going to look at this portion of Scripture. And the one thing that is the question in our heart and our mind is, Jesus, what is he to you? What is he to you? Is he just somebody? that you've heard about? Oh, you've been coming to church and you know about Jesus? Or is it somebody you have a personal, intimate relationship with that drives everything that you do? Are you here because Grandma told you to be here? Are you here because Mom and Daddy said you've got to be here? Why? What's your why? Why are you here I want you to notice this question that they asked that day. They're in verse 22, or actually in, in um, verse 24, uh, when, they, when they came to Jesus and said, How long dost thou make us to doubt? As I stated earlier, man, there's no doubt that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. But as much evidence as I can show you, You may be sitting here today, and you've never trusted him as your personal Savior. And you know the reality is, you may be watching on Facebook and and never trusted him as your Savior. You know, it would be a sad day to hear message after message and come to church time and time again and miss heaven because you know about him but you don't know him. You know all the things he's done, but you don't know him. You haven't trusted him as your personal savior. You know, it's a a sad day. If somebody says, I just don't trust him. They're asking, how long are you going to make us a doubt? And so he says to them some very important things. And the first thing that he says to them is, my sheep hear my voice. And let me help you with something. I sat in church. My mom, at 16 years of age, she and her new husband said, we're going to go to church. And by the way, the first time I, that time when I went to church at 16, I didn't want to be there. Matter of fact, the only way I got there was my mom ripped the covers back and my stepdad at that time applied the belt to my my rear end, and said, you're going to church. Or we're going to make you, so you want to go to church. And let me help you with something. Pulling the covers back and applying the belt. That didn't make me want to be here. And especially when the preacher said, I'm glad to see you. And I I wanted to say, well, I'm not glad to see you. I want to go hunting. That's what I wanted to do. The reality is, I didn't hear the Savior's voice. I learned to be a Christian. As long as I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, my mom and daddy 
my stepdaddy would allow me to go out on Friday night and Saturday night and do whatever I wanted to do. As long as I was home in time to get in the car and go to church on Sunday morning, I knew how to use Visine. I knew how to use mouthwash. I knew how to dress. I knew how to talk. You know, it's not, it's kind of embarrassing whenever the, somebody's talking about going to hell and you stand up and say, amen. That's wrong time to say amen, by the way. And I learned that you don't cuss at church. That's not the proper time to do that. Because I, I had learned to cuss. I, I mean, there's an art to it. My whole family had, you know, I, I had learned how to put those adjectives in place. And then at church, they weren't allowing me to do that. Have you ever had one slip? I have. Been talking to the preacher and let that word slip out. and Where did that come from? Look, we're all human beings in this room. And there's none sinless perfection in here because Jesus Christ is already dead and gone to heaven. So we're all got problems. Amen? You all got different stories too. You all are in different phases and stages of your life that you're growing in grace. And, and I told the men this morning, there is no age limit on sin. So young people aren't the only ones to sin and neither are old people the only ones to sin. We all sin. And the reality is, is do you hear the master's voice? And the first thing that he tells them is my sheep not hear my voice. They know me. And it, do you hear the Savior's voice? That's a key element. If you know you're saved, and you may have that doubt, but do you hear that small, still voice that speaks to your heart? Do you, when Jesus is talking, or has it stopped? Look, there's, you can backslide sitting in church. You can be a hard case, and you can defy God but sitting in a pew. And you can, look, I, I, I would hate for this to happen. But could you imagine a church service where everybody, whatever you were thinking right now, was being verbalized? Yeah, we know where y'all were going for lunch. I can't wait. Where was that place we went? Marcel's. Marcellus. Man, that's a good place to eat. Could you hear that voice, that, your thought process? Because about, about 20 minutes from now, everybody's going to be going, where are we going? We're going to, and yet, could you imagine everybody's, Thought process being verbalized? Do you, what stops us from hearing his voice? Well, one of the things that stop us is what's found in Psalm 66 and 18. Psalm 66, 18 said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Can I ask you a question? Have you stopped hearing a master's voice? Do you regard iniquity? Iniquity is another word for sin, by the way. Do you have sin? That your pet sin, that you're hanging on to it? And you say, I don't hear Jesus speak to me like he once did. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you read his word? Because his word is a love letter to you. And I'm telling you, he won't lie to you either. Our Savior has a real good way of speaking to us about what's wrong in our life. I love this. Do you lack interest in godly desires? You know, these people were asking, why do you make us to doubt? Look, there's no doubt when he says, my sheep hear my voice. You know, the next thing that he talks about is that I know them. Do you know Jesus? You know, there's things that we know. I, I, there's not a, I know 
I've met some of y'all, but you all don't know me. My Savior knows the ins and outs of me. Amen? He knows where my warts are too, by the way. He knows where the work's being done. And guess what? I know him and I give him permission to work. He's working on me. You know what the problem is? Do you know? I know them. Does Jesus know you? And the reality is, if you know him and he knows you, you are his. I don't just know about him. You've ever met somebody done this? They drop, they drop a name. I know, and you know they don't know that person. They know about that person, but they don't know that person. Have you ever had a person drop that name? You know what the real, reality is, is that Jesus is telling them, what does he know about you? My question is that. You're sitting in a service today. What does he know about you? Staggering statistic is that husbands, when they go to counseling, marriage counseling in particular, the number one thing they say, if I tell my wife all of my thoughts, she'll leave me. Does Jesus know all of your thoughts? Does he know your desires? What does he know about you? Let me help you with something. He knows everything. He knows your thought. He knows your, your action. He knows why you did it. He knows, he knows that the, the thought that created the action. You know what's scary? Is that when he's talking to these people and he says, I know them. Does the enemy know your name? If you know Jesus, Jesus knows you. The enemy knows your name. You know why the enemy knows your name? It's because he knows Jesus. And he isn't satisfied until he destroys everything. And if, he, if we allow the enemy onto our ground and we surrender to him and we commit that sin or we commit that action or we are processing that thought, guess what? The enemy knows your name and he's winning. How many people do you know that says, I, I know somebody that once went to church. Anybody like that? I knew somebody that used to go to church. They'll say, I used to go to church, but I don't anymore. I got mad at this person, or I got mad at that person, or this person done me wrong. And then they'll have the story with it. Do you know somebody like that? Or you may be here this morning, and you say, that's my story. I once was that person outside church. You ever hear somebody saying, I used to be a Sunday school teacher? The enemy knows your name. I love what Jesus tells them there in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How do we do on that? How are we doing on that? Why don't we follow all the time? You ever figured that one out? How many of you got kids? Amen? How many of you got grandkids? Aren't they better than kids? Amen? Man, I understand why I let my kids live so I can have grandkids. Amen? I, we have this brand new baby Rose. 
And oh man, she is so cute, so smart, and so amazing. And I look at my son and go, she is awesome. He said, Dad, was I awesome when I was her age? No. I, you had stinky diapers. She doesn't have stinky diapers. Nana takes care of the stinky diapers. But I, I want you to understand that we, and then the, the reason the question is, do you have kids and do you have grandkids? And you, Have you ever had the opportunity to try to lead your kids and they don't want to follow you? I mean, sometimes kids are like herding cats. I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I was on a, I love to hunt and fish. And um, one, of the, one of the times we were in a field and, and a guy that was hunting with us, his name was Bill. And I don't know if you've ever gone through a field where the, where the thistles were really tall. Well, Bill had a, a son that was right behind him. And he kept saying, Dad, Dad. And Bill said, what? He said, slow down. And, it, and, we, and I was ahead of Bill, and I kind of stepped out of the line because we're trying to go through these stickers and these thistles. And the little guy, head was below the stickers and thistles. And he was stepping in his dad's steps. He says, Dad, slow down. I'm trying to step in your steps and I can't follow you. Because we were trying to get through them fast. And as I watched little Freddie, he raised that foot and stepped out as far as he could to step in the steps of his dad. The funny thing was is that when Bill and I got through the the stickers and the thistles, the whole front of us was covered in stickers and thistles. And I look back at little Freddie, he didn't have anything on him. You know why? Because he had followed his dad. And I think so many times my father says, follow me. And I'll clear the path of the stickers and the thistles and the sin that so easily besets you. But I don't do the following very well sometimes. Because I come up with the idea that I know better. I know a better way. (laughs) And we all know the outcome of that one. And we end up going, Lord, I have got a mess. And I'll never forget that. Little Freddie said, look at me. I don't have a sticker on me. And me and Fred are like, yeah, we've got them all. And we're taking a knife and cutting them off. Why don't we follow our Savior all the time? We're supposed to. Are we asking for directions? Guys, in the room, do you ask for directions? Do you say, Father, I need help? Or do we say, I don't need no map. I don't need no GPS. I don't need no Bible. I know the way. Well, hang on a second. God's telling us all the time to ask directions. The Bible says anyone that lacks wisdom, let him ask. And God gives it to him. 
Can I ask you a question? Why don't we ask for more direction? You see, can we lose our way? Sure we can. And I love what, what the Bible here very clearly says, that Jesus is explaining himself completely to those. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. Yeah, we can lose our way. I give them eternal life. Eternal life. Life more abundantly. Life, life with a purpose. A life with a plan. The things that God desires for us, he has had planned since you were born. Will you follow him? I love when he says, no man shall be able to pluck you out of my hand. Now, I asked Brother Darren, would you come up here, Brother Darren? And, uh, and you know what I forgot this morning? Can I borrow a quarter from somebody? I'll give it back. I just need to borrow a quarter. Do you have a quarter on your Brother Darren? He has no change either. You got a, anybody got a quarter? I just need a quarter. No, I need a quarter. Oh, that's perfect. There you go. Thank you very much. Oh, all right. Brother Darren, come up here, please. Um, now, I asked Brother Darren to help me with this because you got to come over here. He's scared to death. Look at that. He's a big old guy. I'm a little bitty guy. What's on the front of that? The head of George Washington. There you go. There's a face on there, isn't there? There is. There is. And on the back side, oh, we, you don't ever know what's on the back side of a quarter anymore. But there's all kinds. There's something with the stake. Let me, let me help you with something. On every quarter, there's a face of George Washington. Everybody knows that. And you could put on this coin, you could actually substitute your head. You could use that head as a representation of you. Now, I, I ask you, if you could you... Pick me out two other guys that would help us with this. I'd love to. Charlie good, Craig, good. Craig, come up and make yourself known. <laughs> awesome. Come on up here. I see your smiling face. There you go. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And the bigger, the burlier, the better. All right? All right. You know, one of the fascinating things about the Bible is, is that <laughs> he's even stealing a walker. Oh, man. All right. So in the Word of God, what we're going to see today is that it says, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, I asked Brother Darren to help me this morning because I want this quarter uh, you to represent, and I want you to put your face there. And I want you to let this quarter represent you. And I'm using Brother Darren as the hand of Jesus. So, Put your, there you go, put your hand out, and we're going to put it in and just wrap it up, all right? Now, I want you to take your other hand and put it over the top of that, all right? Now, it would be a challenge for me, physically and humanly speaking, to take and pull his hands apart. Now, I, I might if I had a club or, you know, if I had some other item to make him let go of that quarter, but it would be physically impossible for me to say, all right, I'm just going to take his hands apart. But in the hands of Jesus, when you accepted him as personal Savior, that's exactly where you went. 
those nail-scarred hands, you're in his hands. But Jesus also says in this portion of Scripture that my Father, which gave them, is greater than all. And would you tell me your first name again? Josh. Josh. Josh, will you do me a favor, and would you take one hand on the top and on the bottom? And Josh is going to represent the hands of God the Father. Now, we're saying, okay, now who in the building is going to be big enough and strong enough that you're going to be come up here and get Brother Darren and Brother Josh to turn loose of that quarter? And we'd all say, oh, Brother Ken, it's going to take a really big guy. Well, you know what's amazing is, is that as we look at these portions of Scripture, there's another portion of Scripture that talks about that when Jesus says, my Father and I are one. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel, your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Tell me your first name again. Charles, Charles, will you do me a favor? Would you come in here and put a hand right on the top and on the bottom? All right. Now, turn this way just a little bit. There you go. Now, I want you to ask yourself a question. These three guys are representing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But who's in the middle of that? You are. That's how God cares about you. That's how God loves you. That's how God nurtures you. He isn't sitting, you're out here by yourself doing your own thing. No, I'm in the middle of this. And now he says nobody can get you because you're in the hand of Jesus. God has wrapped his hands around Jesus' hands and says he's greater than all. And he says, okay, let me, let me really magnify this. And now you're sealed. That's the picture. I want you to get the picture of you being in the center of the presence and the power of God Almighty. Because that is exactly when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's no way physically, humanly speaking, that I could pull those guys apart. And I would challenge anybody in the building to try to do the same thing, physically and humanly. But spiritually speaking, nobody in this world or any world can pull us out of the hand of God the Father. Not even you. He says, I have you right where I want you to be. Hey, get these guys a hand for me. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, give it back to that young man right there in a the purple shirt. If you, if you need to see one thing, no man is able to pluck them out of the Father's hand. Nobody is able to take you out of the Father's hand. Nobody. And if you're sitting here today, and you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to put your faith and trust in the one that loves you more than you even love yourself. 
the power, the presence of God is real. And are you in the hand of Jesus? If not, why not? Why haven't you trusted Jesus? And maybe today is a day that you need to make that commitment. God, I'm going to follow you. I want to hear your voice. I want to follow you. So all those that are around me know that I am a sheep of the great shepherd. Are you? Are you? In the hands of Jesus. Let's stand together. Father, we come and we ask you to do the thing that only you can do. Father, we've prayed. You've laid in our hearts your desire. And Father, this morning, we ask you that during this time of invitation, during this time of decision, that you speak to every heart in every life. And Father, if there's those that need to come and to seek you in prayer, Father, if there's those that just need to come and see their life made whole and find you as their Savior, Father, I pray today that they are that they will make that decision. And Father, if there's those of us that we ask you, Father, is there any wicked way in me? And you answer us honestly. And Father, if there is anything that stands between me and you, Father, I pray that you would lead us to confess it and reject it so that we can walk humbly before you once again. Father, we praise you, we thank you, and we love you. Have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.